Hi there, my name is Denise Cooper and I work for Nearform on InnerSource and I am talking today to James McLeod. Hi James. Hi Denise, good afternoon to you. Yeah, it's great to see you. Is it raining where you are? No, it's bright and sunny. I'm actually um, in the middle of uh, central London at the moment, looking out the window with um, blue sky and a few wispy white clouds. Ah, we, we have the usual beautiful cleansing rain of Ireland. <laughs> It's a nice soft day here today. So um, great. And I think that this is your second day at your new job. Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely right. So I've, um, I'm now working for Finos, who are the FinTech Open Source Foundation. Um, and I've taken the position of Director of Community. Um, so not only is my um, role within the open source community um, shifted from where I was an engineering lead at Lloyd's Banking Group, but now I can actually devote all of my time to it, which is um, just a godsend for me because I absolutely love uh, working with people and working within the community. And so you've done the, you've done the magical thing. You've, you've figured out how to get paid to do open source full time. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, now my hobby is now my job. That's fabulous. That's, that's a great way to work. That's kind of what happened to me too. It's so long ago now, it's hard to remember, but um, it definitely makes it better to work if you are, you know, passionate and about the, the way that you're working. I mean, it's always hard to work, but um, it definitely makes it better, makes it easier. I so totally agree. we're to get, we're met today to talk about um, the possibility of intersource in a regulated in industry. And um, Finos, of course, a lot of those members, I've, I've spoken at Finos events before, and a lot of the membership is really concerned about the clash or the perceived clash between the regulations that they live under in the, in the financial world and the um, desire to have a more free-flowing collaboration style and, and take advantage of open source. And I, I've seen some very unnatural things <laughs> proposed as ways to get around that problem. And so I really wanted to talk to you today because I think you have a great story about how easy it is to get it right if you approach it from the right place. That, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as is well known, I, I worked for PayPal and that's where we started implementing Intersource. And although PayPal is subject to many of the same regulations, it's a slightly different deal because that, although they are a bank in Europe, they are not a bank in their prime market, which is the U.S. And so they can behave more like an app provider. I mean, there's still c consumer trust and there's still, you know, relationship building with their customers and all those things still exist. But they don't have quite the same regulatory um, pressures from, from outside except in Europe. So uh, anyway, we, we use that, we leveraged that difference to get them to be more relaxed about um, the fact that they were you know, going to try to do this collaboration thing. So um, tell me a little bit about how your, you know, your recent experience and how you found uh, the company that you joined and why you thought they needed Intersource. Yeah, 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 no problem. Um, so... Previous to my role as director of community um, at Finos, um, I was an engineering lead at Lloyd's Banking Group. Now, I've been a software engineer for all of my career. 
I did a computer science degree here in London, um, actually not that far away from where I'm sitting right now. I'm right outside the BT Tower. Um, and that's where my, my university was based, funnily enough. Uh, and my progression through uh, software engineering has led me into many different organizations that have started from being um, startups all the way through to being large enterprises. And the one thing that um, before starting um, within financial services that all of the organizations I worked for previously had in common is that all of the engineers were able to collaborate over the desk um, and we were able to see inside each other's repositories um, and we were able to give, you know, peer-to-peer -peer direction to each other. And then um, I joined Lloyd's Banking Group. So I joined there um, as a consultant initially and then I actually um, decided that I would like to work there full-time so I converted to a permanent employee. And now just through the, the type of person who I am, through my background, um, through startups and then through, you know, different sized organizations, I just react, you know, I just acted through my normal behaviors of um, getting the engineers together who I knew uh, to talk about, you know, their difficulties, what they would like to do uh, moving forward and how they can actually improve themselves, which was actually quite different to the behavior that some financial services um, organizations were uh, allowing their engineers to do. Um, now, I was actually really lucky because within Lloyd's Banking Group, when I was there, and also, you know, as the company is right now, they're actually um, encouraging engineers and everybody, to be quite honest, to come together um, in order to evolve a real community spirit. Um, so this wasn't an engineering-only thing. Um, it was actually everybody across all disciplines. It was actually decided as part of Lloyd's Banking Group's digital transformation that um, all disciplines across the organization should learn to communicate and you know, share ideas with each other. And so my initial um, taking advantage of this you know, um, you know, opportunity um, that we were given was to create an engineering guild and actually bring engineers together to talk about the difficulties that they are actually um, finding within the organization. Right. And that was the very first step into InnerSource for me. Great. Well, you know, I know because we've spoken before that you already had a history uh, previous to joining Lloyd's of um, organizing meetups and helping build community generally uh, across London and, you know, you sort yeah. of have a natural bend for, for hurting the cats um, because I, I think you believe, as I do, that we're better together. We get we you know, we can get more done if we uh, if we know each other. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I don't know whether it's a generation thing. I don't think it is a generation thing, but um, I've well, always I, been I could drawn... be your mom, so I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I think but, it's um... more. I think it's more a desire. There are people who are wired to connect, and who um, that's what that's what's exciting to them is that is seeing people uh, get better together, seeing all the boats exactly. rise. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and so. As soon as um, Twitter started um, in the early noughties and when Facebook, um, you know, kind of appeared and even, you know, before that with MySpace and Friends Reunited and then when LinkedIn, you know, um, appeared, I was always on there kind of 
reconnecting with the people who I knew from school um, and then connecting with people who I knew through industry. And so like what you were saying, this kind of need to connect with people and share, um, whether you're in the same room or whether it's virtually, um, has always been within me. You know, I've always been a real big um, networker, both, you know, going to meetups and organizing my own um, and also online, you know, through sharing tweets and sharing information. Um, and that's how I actually got into um, creating my React JS meetup here in London. It was because um, it was actually a really great way of bringing those two worlds together, which were, you know, we can we can meet online through whatever social media presence you have, you know, as a, as a professional developer. And then we can all get together, you know, in um you know, meeting room or in a hall or, you know, at an event and actually share face to face. Um, and this was the great thing about um, the guilds that we actually formed within Lloyd's banking groups, because um, even though they weren't heavily sponsored in the same way as a meetup would be sponsored um, with drinks and food and, you know, presenters, it was still that opportunity to get everyone together in order to share and collaborate. Um, and it was through that sharing and collaborating where we started, you know, saying to ourselves, it's really great that we can actually come together and, you know, share within the guild. But wouldn't it be awesome if we could also share within code? Because um, that is actually where software engineers and engineers in general really come to life. It's where not only you can come together and talk, but it's when you can actually come together even with your headphones on, you know, and actually collaborate within the same repositories as all of your um, colleagues around your desk and in your teams, and also with colleagues who maybe you don't know, you know, they might be in on a different floor to you, or they might be in a different building elsewhere, you know, within the organization, or potentially even in a different country, you know, so they could be, um, you know, an engineer in India or the US or Australia. But that was the direction in which we wanted to travel within Lloyd's. And that is why we started as a guild, looking at all of the different systems of collaboration that there are um, within the industry that we could actually bring into the organization in order to start removing the um, systems that we had in place at that time that stopped us from collaborating. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where our, our journey, you know, into GitHub Enterprise started and our journey away from, you know, other siloed um, types of repos, et cetera, actually started to end. Yeah, I, I love GitHub. I think it's it's uh, most of the companies that are taking out uh, GitHub Enterprise accounts, you know, company wide accounts. They're hoping to get the inner source effect, but they just don't until recently they didn't have words for what they were trying to get. But yeah. it, it must be noted that that all code management systems can be configured to make it possible to do inner source. Um, GitHub has a, has a leg up because it's so easy to then transition your work to open source um, once you decide that you want to do that. You know, and, and a lot of the way that it's built presupposes that you're using fairly transparent collaborative methods. Yeah. So, although, so you are right. Yeah, it's it's important to remember because we want we don't want people to to uh, we want people to realize that they can start where they're at. I know some really big companies that have done it on Bitbucket. Um, I mean, technically, open source started on CVS. You know, it's it is possible to do it. It's just not as easy. 
So yeah, um, you're absolutely right. So so we did actually go around and we looked at Gogs, we looked at GitLab, we looked at Garrett, we looked at Bitbucket, we looked at Git. You know, without anything, you know, just Git as you would use as a as a development team. And mm-hmm. the only reason why we um, decided that GitHub would actually be a good um, you know answer for us. Um, is because, number one, a lot of the members of the guilds were also open source collaborators on the outside of the organization. Um, and we all knew each other through the meetup that I organized, um, ironically. Um, yeah. And then number two, we didn't want a context switch between um, my internal developer persona within Lloyd's, you know, who comes to work, codes for, you know, the team within work, and then our open source persona- personas as well. So, we wanted to use a system that we actually recognized and understood outside of work, the same as we would use inside of work as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's that's that. a really big selling point for GitHub, for sure. Yeah, but I, I also know teams who do use, you know, um, the other systems of collaboration, you know, and they're actually really successful on it. So I know people who, um, you know, are on Bitbucket and they wouldn't think, you know, about um, swapping to anything else because of the Jira and Confluence integration. And right. Also well, the, the trick, though, when you get a new code management system in, the trick is to keep the forces of control from just reproducing whatever the system was before where all that control existed. Like, it's possible to configure GitHub to be every bit as restrictive as, as you know, whatever came before. Yes. And you have to fight yeah. that tendency. <laughs> And this is the interesting thing, because um, we were talking about, you know, how do we actually, because um, financial services is regulated, you know, how do we actually, um, you know, make sure that the regulators are happy with the endeavors that we're going through in order to be more collaborative? Um, And this is where um, making sure that your, your working group um, or the people who are involved in the transformation aren't just engineers. Um, mm-hmm. Because like what you're saying, it's very easy um, for the fist to come down and for the system that you choose, you know, whether it's um, GitLab, Bitbucket or GitHub, um, to be locked down just the same as where you were journeying from. Um, and so this is where the group who are involved in the transformation started to include people from um, cybersecurity um, and people from risk. Um, And also other people from across the organization, including product owners um, and people who actually, you know, owned the output that engineers were um, producing throughout, you know, their day within the team, because we wanted to make sure that it wasn't seen as a risk. And, you know, we weren't mavericks, you know, bringing in, the next best thing, you know, within engineering, we wanted to not only do it, do what was needed for the engineers who were using the system, but we also wanted to make sure that we brought everyone along on the journey as well. Um, and also call into question regulation that people thought existed, just because that's how the team have been doing it for years. Um, and actually have people on our side who can actually go through and say, well, actually, that regulation doesn't really exist. Um, but if you're able to provide us, you know, audit trails, you know, and also a consistent log, people, you know, are um, also within uh, the group Active Directory, for instance, you know, so all of these security mechanisms, providing they're all documented and people can find them, 
we were able to move through and actually introduce the system. I won't say there was a big bang explosion. You know, we didn't go from lights out to lights on overnight. Um, and it's still continuing to happen, you know, even now. But even with those first seeds planted, we were able to yield some pretty interesting and big results, which, um, which is just spectacular considering a lot of teams couldn't do anything. Um, and so, yeah, the evolution into Intersource is actually extremely possible, uh, providing that you have the right people on your team. Right. So let's talk about that for a minute. So I know from speaking to you before that um, there was support for this through the CTO's office and that you got some air cover from senior management. Yeah. Um, but you also said something that I almost never hear, which is that middle managers were not really a deterrent to uh, this implementation. We, we hear a lot about how hard it is to get that particular class of people to come on board because they are often protecting the status quo and they're not in a big hurry to, you know, upend the apple cart. Yeah. So you didn't have yeah. that experience. Tell me about that. No. Um, and the reason that we didn't uh, is exactly for the, for the reason why the CTO um, actually gave us air cover. Um, now, as part of the Lloyd's digital transformation, um, we wanted to transform engineering from being a back office role um, into being part of the organization. And actually, that was really key because um, that recognition that engineering was actually, you know, I'm not going to say central because I don't want to, you know, put engineering above and beyond everything else. But, you know, recognizing that engineers, you know, do have a voice and do have an opinion was actually the first step for us to be able to, you know, bring the people on board um, who may have otherwise said, oh, this is too risky, you know, you're going to risk our deliverable at the end of the month. Um, by having, you know, a voice at the C-suite level, um, that actually enabled us to be able to not necessarily use authority to kick people out the way, um, but it enabled us to be able to start thinking differently about how engineers and people with the, within technology um, engaged with other parts of the business and started to really educate the reasons why. Um, and it all comes down to that. It's, um, it's not because um, people outside of engineering wanted to put blockers or you know, stop change. It was because they didn't understand the reasons why. Um, and so not only did the CTO um, give us the opportunity to engage in those conversations, but we also needed to think about how do we actually remove the complexity from our own language so the people who need deliverables, you know, delivering at the end of the month or at the end of the week, um, got what they needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally hear you. So, so, yeah, we, we kind of started the conversation. We really did move into that space. Yeah, it's it, it, how you said it to me when I talked to you the other day was about keeping a product focus. So it sounds like Lloyd's woke up to the fact that the software has eaten the world. And that makes the engineers not just um, not just a tool you use, but they're actually, you know, a very important part of the process of coming up with with products and solutions that, that actually you know hit the mark, right? And part of the important thing is that they have enough psychological safety to feel like they're not going to get castigated for for deciding to collaborate because it's more is more efficient. 
Absolutely. And that was also the same uh, for the Lloyd's design team as well. You know, they um, were also given a voice and they're also um, able to demonstrate how the customer should be at the center of all of your uh, user journeys. And so not only did engineering um, get a voice for saying, you know, this is how we can become more effective and efficient, um, increase our velocity whilst also driving quality, but our designers and other teams were able to put the, the customer at the center of um, uh, all of the Lloyd's products and actually create applications that were very customer focused in order to give people a different experience through finance. And yeah. then through all of these different communities and guilds and you know, mechanisms, including InnerSource, um, of which one of the InnerSource projects that we had within Lloyd's um, also included des designers as well. And before you know it, InnerSource isn't just an engineering thing, it's actually a company-wide thing um, because you're pulling lots of different people into it. Um, and you're actually getting some really interesting results as a as a result of you know that type of collaboration. Yeah, that's fabulous. So so now I know that you did a series of roadshows when you were explaining across the company how to do this. Talk yeah. a little bit about how that all worked. Yeah, it's really interesting because um, as I was, as I was saying before, um, the inner source journey started with a group of engineers coming together within a guild, saying we need to be able to collaborate. Um, it wa it wasn't a hierarchical push. We didn't have you know the CTO saying we've got to adopt inner source. You know, go out and figure it out. You know, what do you need to do? It actually started you know amongst the team. Now. Because uh, there were a limited number of people who understood it and really understood the advantages, not only did we need to um, start communicating to our local teams about, you know, how we're evolving, you know, in terms of engineering and bringing, you know, GitHub, GitLab, Bitbucket or whatever into the teams and what that would mean. But as an engineering uh, presence, we needed to be able to start broadcasting um, our direction and also bring in, start bringing a lot of other stakeholders on board. And so we kind of transformed ourselves from being an introverted bunch of uh, engineers who would have our headphones on, we would be, you know, writing our code in JavaScript or Java or .NET or, you know, whatever it may be. And we actually started um, writing decks, whether it was in PowerPoint or whether it was in, you know, um, Google or, or however you, you do your decks. And we started, um, number one, just, you know, going into different stakeholder groups and presenting to maybe a team of senior managers. Um, then we started talking to the C-suite and, you know, started broadcasting our message, you know, a little bit broader and a little bit bolder. Um, and then we started doing off-sites where we would have lots of different engineering teams um, from across Lloyd's Banking Group that included front-end developers, you know, people working, you know, within cloud or hybrid cloud or, you know, maybe on mainframes to middle-tier developers, you know. And we started um, not only talking about in the source, um, but we also started bringing external people in who demonstrated in a source and also the people who um, provide the system. So we had guest presenters from lots of different organizations. Um, and then we were um, thrown the challenge with, you know, an, another one of our culture and capability team um, to create a hackathon 
um, that not only broadcasted the message of you know what it is, um, but also gave um, people from across the organisation the opportunity to practice it, so learn how to do it. Um, and so um, that's where the roadshow kind of like started. That's where the the hackathon kind of like went around to different hubs um, within Lloyd's Banking Group, and it's continuing to do so. Um, and we're making sure, or we did make sure, because I'm actually part of Finos now, just to remind myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that um, within the hack, you actually demonstrate the practice of collaborating together and publishing and doing pull requests um, and, you know, kind of working amongst the team, um, solving problems together, you know, and everything that you would expect within that inner source type way. Um, whether so it's I think you're saying, or- I think, I think you're saying that you you set up a you set up contests hackathons are sort of contests right um, yeah and I, I think you're saying that you you modeled the behavior you wanted to see by rewarding it extrinsically through a hackathon yes um, so we the the hackathon itself um, brought engineers from across the UK together um, we put the the teams together you know through our own experiences because we wanted to number one not have people working together who already knew each other we wanted people to get to know each other um and we wanted to make sure that the team the team um experience was um kind of quite equal so we had senior people in with you know more juniors and grads so people could learn off of each other but then we also set challenges that weren't normal everyday um you know, fin- um, Lloyd's um, feature team stories to complete. They were kind of quite fun, you know, creative challenges that didn't relate to your everyday work because we wanted it to be a fun event as well and not another day in the office. Um, mm. And we kind of kept um, we kept it to a single day and people, but what we did on the lead up to it was give people loads of education um, and loads of brown bag sessions loads of lunch and learns. We onboarded people into the systems that they needed to be able to use. We, you know, ran um, streaming seminars over WebEx. um, And we had, you know, a really good lead time uh, moving into the event. And so the hackathon was kind of like the one-day event. But stemming from that, we had, you know, lots of other activities happening outside of that as well. And everything was about, you know, inner source and all of those different um, systems that, the engineering teams were, were moving into. And if I'm going to be really honest, even the mechanism of being able to do this wouldn't exist unless, you know, we had that executive air cover for people just to come together and start working together. And so that's what, you know, people just sharing ideas actually gets to. You can start things as, you know, one, two or three people around a table and actually grow it into something quite spectacular. Yeah, well, it takes enlightened management. It sounds like like Lloyd's has a clue, which is which is great to hear because they're my insurance, my car insurer, as I told you. Yeah. Nice to know they have a clue. It's good. Um, I mean, it, there's a lot of companies that are so hung up in their in their fear cycle that they can't quite get past it to get to this place of noticing that it would be really beneficial to learn how to do this. So. So kudos to them for that. I'm sure you helped a lot in pushing that idea forward. Yeah, absolutely. You and the engineers. 
that kind of that's why my career has evolved into the fintech open source foundation because i truly believe that all financial services organizations can do this um plus also not just the big banks um the the fintechs and also the technology companies who can help support this transition in you know by using their systems or um other systems that can actually enable this yeah, well, you had the experience of having real allies um, among your consultants. And um, as you know, I'm kind of on a on a tear to get at the consulting companies and get them to understand how to do this. And I'm, when I'm yeah. saying the consulting companies, I mean the really big ones. Because my, my thing is, I feel like this is a better way to write software. It just is. And I think I open totally source agree. proves that. But it also, I also believe that there are not enough engineers that get to do this because they're stuck in companies where this kind of collaboration is feared still. And it's so inefficient and so kind of soul effacing to work that way. Once you have done the other thing that I'm hopeful that we can get everybody to start doing their software engineering in this way. Um, Partly because it means more people will be trained in collaboration and feel comfortable. Um, Partly because I believe that it's a better way to work, but also the kids that you can hire now, people that are just getting out of school, they all want this. Like that's, They've had the internet forever. They want to work on it. They want to collaborate. They've had open source for most of their lives. And they, they think this is how people should be able to work. So the new workforce is going to, I think, push this um, pretty deep. But the the place to start, uh, if you if I want to scale it, is with consultants, large consulting organizations that don't know how because they get employed to help people build community, but they don't really know what they're doing yet. So I feel like we have yeah. to infiltrate them. So tell me about your positive consulting ex- or consultant uh, ally experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the very first thing uh, when I started working with consultants um, was leave badges at the door. Um, so whether you're working for IBM, whether you're working for Accenture, whether you're working for Wipro or TCS or you know Sapient, um, there weren't kind of groups of partners. It wasn't that you were a consultant in amongst, you know, a Lloyd's engineering team. Um, everybody was seen as kind of like an equal contributor, um, which meant that everybody's, you know, ideas were good ideas. Um, and equally, everybody's accountabilities were shared, you know, because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy um, to put barriers up between people and just pass you know, the um, deliverable or the requirement or the story or however, you know, you m- measure your work um, away from uh, the the permanent um, team of a financial services company. Um, but actually what we wanted to do at Lloyd's was grow our own technical prowess um, and bring um, all of that technology knowledge back into the teams, you know. So um, an engineer from Lloyd's Banking Group um, would be as close to technology as an engineer from IBM or Accenture or, or Wipro or whoever. Um, so that was actually a really good way of creating great relationships with people because um, then you kind of remove, you know, the us and them barrier. So if I'm um, talking to an engineer from from any consultancy, you know, but at a person level. We're actually sharing ideas and, you know, um, collaborating technically, even if it's just... And you're just engineers together. And you just start engineering stuff together. Now, what that actually enabled me to do 
um, was build a really great um, trust relationship um, with the partners of Lloyd's. Um, so to the extent where, you know, I was invited to, you know, Las Vegas in order to speak at IBM Think and I was invited, you know, to um, GitHub Universe um, last year, you know, to speak over there. You know, I did have to submit the presentations as well. Um, but it was really good because, you know, we were kind of all on the same level and we were able to talk about, you know, what I should talk about. And the teams also helped me shape my presentations. And it actually just became that, you know, we were just working together. Um, but as I started to get to know people and as I started to ask for more things, I um, started to ask within all of the consultancies that we were working with for um, leads and contacts within them that also demonstrated the same kind of um, uh, understanding or desire as me, you know, to start collaborating and to start, you know, kind of sharing things openly in the, in the way that I do. Um, so what I found was, yes, there are, you know, lots of big organizations, whether they're consultancies or whether they're, you know, financial services companies or whoever they may be, pharmaceuticals even, you know, um, who need to transform. But within them, there are some real diamonds, you know, who think, you know, the same way as we do, um, who are also trying to transform the companies that they're within. And if right. you kind of mine into that set of people um, and start collaborating with them um, and then start broadcasting the message so their stakeholders can, you know, start hearing the great outcomes that you're doing together, then I truly believe that, you know, all of these organizations can shift, you know, but it's just in the same way as we brought engineers together in Lloyd's around the table, you know, open source and even inner source, you know, and this type of um, movement, which like you said, isn't a movement for, you know, the generations of engineers and developers who are coming out of university and even, you know, um, are coming out into university. All of these people have been doing it, you know, um, since they first started their computers and their, their mobile devices. But for people who, you know, have been developing their careers within consultancies and want to change things, if you can find people who are doing similar things in other places, then you can also magnify your voice in that way. Um, and so that's where my kind of um, consultancy experience has always been awesome because um, through the network that I've created, through those consultancies that I know, they've also contributed to the hackathons. They've enabled loads of stuff, you know, and they're also really bright sparks as well, you know, and their thinking is just as, you know, bold or even more bold, you know, than my own. Um, and so you shouldn't kind of underestimate what some of these bigger organizations who have the um, reputation of being slow actually do have on the inside because there's some real gems in there. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're a pretty good miner too, though. <laughs> um, that the, I think you're right that, you know, all the boats are rising in this movement and they're all cottoning on. Um, did you have people misunderstand what InterSource was and, and push back based on a lack of understanding or had you done such a good job of, of uh, meme setting that it was, it, you didn't run into that problem? Um, I would say that there's a learning curve on it. Um, I would also say that it's a continuous learning curve as well. Um, 
And so I wouldn't say that, you know, we transformed the entire organization um, in order to develop in this way, in a collaborative way. Um, but we did um, take enough of a step forward for it to be recognized and put into the roadmap for engineering, for instance, for Lloyd's. Um, and that also has um, allowed people to go out and, and investigate further what it actually means, because we're able to demonstrate it in a way that collaboration is also a way to increase quality, velocity, and be more efficient. And it's also a really good kind of um, agile principle as well. I mean, you're never going to be agile unless you learn how to communicate. Um, so what we did was demonstrate the ability using a number of um, key, I'm not going to call them projects. They're like working groups rather than projects because they don't actually particularly, they're not owned by, you know, a project team. They're kind of like a horizontal, you know, collaboration effort. Um, and we then brought those projects into the hackathons and into all of our roadshows in order to really highlight the benefits of this. Um, and so they also they kind of become a brand unto their own. And so if you can um, have an inner source project which um, uh, develops a particular capability and has a particular type of value and also um, asserts a particular type of impact, you can give it a name and then you can give it a brand. Um, and then you can talk about it more and then people recognize what you're talking about. And then it just becomes part of your DNA, really. You know, people don't even question who's working on it. All they know is that they're getting some great output and actually has huge value. And before you know it, people are actually demonstrated in a source without knowing that it's in a source. It's just um, the way people are coming together in order to work. Um, and that could be the same for Agile. It could be the same for cloud computing. It could be the same for open source. You know, it's it's all to do with, um, I would actually say it's to do with social fabrics rather than, it's not a technical requirement. It's a, a social dynamic. It's how you bring great people together um, in order to collaborate and, you know, move forward together. Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously, I totally agree. I think that it, it, uh, it solves so many of the backlog, um, bottleneck problems that we see in, in more traditionally run um, organizations. In fact, we started putting out T-shirts uh, at PayPal that said, um, basically said, pull request beats feature request. Like, you know, it's much yeah. better. But um, about, about addressing the whole organization, I was just actually having a conversation on InterSource Commons, which we'll talk about InterSource Commons next, but um, some new person was showing up and they wanted to know about extending in the InterSource idea into non-technical realms. And I told them the same story I told you about the bus schedule. <laughs> right? yeah. You can get the whole company to start thinking in terms of everybody can clean up the campground the only barrier is they have to learn how to use GitHub, but it's not that hard, you know. No, 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 it's not. I mean, I, I suppose the only barrier really um, is licensing, you know, because um, you do have to, you know, provision, you know, some form of fund in order to get licenses, you know, for certain tools. Um, but even then, it's about demonstrating value. Um, and that's what we, we needed to do um, in order to get funds to fund our engineers for, you know, GitHub at that time. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same 
for other systems. So we, um, when we uh, started rolling out um, GitHub, which was actually, you know, kind of one of the key systems for us to be able to demonstrate in the source, we actually did it on initially 1,000 licenses. So, you know, we, um, it was almost like an experiment. It was... Um, yeah, that's been... that's what we advocate. And for scale, how many engineers do you actually have uh, or actually work at Lloyd's? Yeah, so including um, our partner engineers, I believe it's around 15,000. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty small percentage that you were addressing. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but we had a real good test and learn environment um, that was actually given to us at the beginning of our digital transformation um, that kind of removed a lot of the, the risk around bringing new software into, you know, an established network. It was almost like um, a secure cloud environment, but, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. you know, part of the cloud. It was, you know, the machines, you know, we owned within our own data center. And within that environment, it just so happened that IBM, who were running that environment for us, also had a partnership with, with GitHub. And through leveraging, you know, those diamonds that I was telling you before within IBM, um, we were able to install GitHub into this test and learn environment um, and also get a thousand licenses. You know, we kind of um, begged and borrowed, you know, for the funds in order to, you know, bring those licenses in. Um, but then we were able to invite engineers in um, who understood the value of working in this way and we were able to demonstrate it and then sell it further forward. Um, so where project teams were initially funding their own licenses um, for GitHub because all of their engineers were saying, we need to be in there, you know, and they didn't really have a choice because, you know, the engineering voice was too great and, and people just said, okay, how much will it cost? And they, they bought the license for their engineering teams. We were then able to um, sell that into the organization. So the organization um, funded the licenses, so it became free at the point of use for all engineers. Um, so right. it reversed the... That's um, actually, that would be a good thing to explore with GitHub, um, figuring out a way to to do that, right? So that it's, um, because they obviously they offer a volume discount. If you if you were to buy a site license, that would be, you know, much less expensive. But companies start at the, at the point that you're at, you know, a, a sort of experiment phase. And then the scaling out, it, it gets uncomfortable because of the time it takes to get agreement um, in the, you know, there's lots of, it doesn't, I think it doesn't have to be that way. If they saw that a company was tipping in that direction, maybe a package could be put together that allowed for expansion per per need that, you know, got in, individual groups would be more likely to sign up if it, um, yeah. if it was as you know, as good a pricing as they're going to get for the whole company, for instance. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll never really argue that. And I don't think, um, the team, you know, GitHub or, or any, you know, or GitLab or, or wherever would argue that once you actually introduce this type of system, the growth is actually, I would say exponential, <laughs> You kind of think that you're going to have like um, a real kind of shallow maturity curve as people on board. But as soon as engineers know that you've got this type of system now, basically the requests come in one after the other. Yeah, it becomes a full-time job just to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, but that's not a bad thing because, 
um, within you know digital transformation, you need to learn how to adapt. And if you're uh, placing systems in there, the number one, you know, provide value to your engineering teams, and number two, drive all of the you know quality metrics or goals or OKRs that you have. Um, then you need to learn how to adapt and to adjust your organization to be able to meet the demand of that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what Lloyd's basically had to do. The engineering demand actually demanded that the organization changed in order to meet it. And so, so you, you, then, had, you had a, you had a grassroots pull as well. You had ground yeah, cover as well. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. Let's talk about InterSource Commons since I said I would do it. So um, InterSource Commons, for those who are listening to this that don't know, uh, can be found at intersourcecommons.org. That's all one word, you know, .org. And it's a place where you can go to meet with other company representatives who are also experimenting with InterSource or have some experience with it. And it's kind of a self-help organization. It's a bunch of people who, I mean, the core of people who have stuck around and, and are very vocal are people that are evangelists for InterSource as um, the change agency that they want to see in, in software engineering across the board, regardless of whether it's their employer or anybody else. They've kind of all agreed that it's not secret sauce. It should just be the way we do things. So let's see if there's a way that we can, that everybody can win, right? And it's run under something called Chatham House Rules, which means that if you ask a question there, nobody is, they know not to publicize the nature of the question in a way that's going to damage the brand of the company you work for. We're not, we don't talk about companies or even about individuals that are members unless they've agreed to it. And over time, people have gotten the permission from their employers to become spokespeople. So we're just now, after li- creating a, a list of people who can come and talk in companies about Intersource and have permission to share their stories. And of course, I've always also published a few books that have um, case studies of companies that have agreed to, uh, to have those kinds of conversations. So I'm hoping we can add this Lloyd's experience to that at some point. Um, but also I'm hoping anybody who hears this and is curious about next steps will consider uh, going to the Intersource Commons and requesting a Slack account so that they can get in on the goodness. Now, have you gone and checked it out yet? Uh, yeah, so I have. Um, I've been along to um, InnersourceCommons.org um, and also downloaded you know, the, the PDF, the book that you actually wrote um, with O'Reilly. Um, it's extremely helpful. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, and also the plethora of talks and materials that there are on YouTube as well. I mean, there's a, there's a, a lot out there and there are a lot of people who have also um, followed similar patterns for getting um, companies into um, open source as well. That's why we did it. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, I'm using every trick I learned in the 20 years of the development of, of open source to get InterSource off the ground faster than it otherwise would, would happen organically, you know, because, Absolutely. right. But also I, I think you and I've already discussed, we posited that InterSource was probably a gateway drug to effective open source for companies that couldn't figure out how to do it just on their own because they didn't know how to collaborate yet. And so they had a lot of mythology about how they were going to be bad at it or how it was going to run counter to their, their interests. And so they hold off. But um, my experience at PayPal is the proposals I was seeing for intersource involvement after, I'm sorry, for open source involvement after intersource became 
uh, common in, in PayPal and generally accepted, they got better. They got much better. And so tell me what you think about that whole assertion that it's that it leads to open source. Yeah, definitely. I would say that um, open source is, you know, the, the transition goal for, for people who are going through that path. Um, so that that is the same journey as um, Lloyd's are going through at the moment as well. Um, so starting from, you know, a group of engineers talking about, you know, doing collaboration um, and then also practicing that through um, inner source has definitely, I wouldn't say 100% led to open source engagement, um, but it's definitely um, yielded a lot more positive communications about the benefit of it, certainly in the collaboration space. Um, but then, you know, with open source, you've also got consumption of open source and you've also got um, community engagement outside of an organization as well. And I think it's very easy for people to um, just focus on open source being about um, collaborating and publishing things out. Um, but actually, by consuming inner source projects within the, um, the safety of your organization and knowing that you can use an inner source library that has been um, produced by engineers of your same organization also helps build the confidence that you know, you can actually use um, open source libraries in the same way. And that actually um, people who are really behind um, the collaborative effort, you know, they're, they're not the bogeyman. They're not people hiding in the dark corner or kind of trying to malici maliciously harm your company. Um, they are people, you know, like those who gathered, you know, around the desk that I was at when we thought about collaborating on the inside. But they just so happened to join working groups in the same way as InnerSourceCommons.org is a working group of similar-minded individuals. And in the same way as um, Finos, which you can find through Finos.org, is, you know, a community of like-minded um, fintechs and banks, you know, and tech companies as well. Um, and like I was saying before, it all comes back to, you know, just getting those few people together in a room to talk about the value of doing this. And it just starts from there. Um, but, you know, equally, if people want to find out, you know, what Finos are doing um, in order to step into this regulated space, um, you might think that nothing's happening within financial services. But as soon as you kind of step into the Finos world, you'll find out that there's a lot actually happening um, within the collaboration space. And there are lots of great players, you know, within um, financial services already doing some really interesting stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely recommend, you know, uh, finding a working group to join or, you know, even just visiting the website and taking a look around. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I, I have attended Finos events and I'm, uh, I've also agreed to come and talk at, at meetups for you and that kind of thing. So I totally agree that the most effective thing is um, testimonial, you know, real, real life testimonial and getting people over the hump of fear. There's so many misconceptions in old, old fashioned, um, old fashioned engineering organizations about the impact of intersource, like the belief that you have to take every piece of code that's ever given to you. Um, and regardless of the quality, you know, it's, it's sort of people's worst fears manifested because um, change is hard or, you know, change yeah. is scary for people. Well, but once they get in there and they get it what, it, what it actually is. And a lot of the stuff they were afraid of gets dispelled pretty quickly. Absolutely. At least that's my experience. And it all ties together with, um, so 
open source doesn't sit on its own. Um, it kind of, it all comes down to DevOps really and DevSecOps, you know, and how you actually give um, people within your teams accountability for engineering and making the right choices and, uh, you know, giving them the right tools in order to inform them. But um, that will move beyond the amount of time that we've got on this podcast. But um, Yeah, we'll do another conversation about that. But I know when I asked you what your advice was for other companies that wanted to do this, you, um, you said something very smart, which is go small and specifically show that you can provide value with a small number of, of people involved before you move you know, or in other words, crawl before you walk, walk before you run. Yeah, yeah. We've been saying that too. Start with small experiment. Treat it like an experiment. Write out what you think is going to happen and how your what your method is. Stick to it for the defined period of time that you agreed to. Evaluate how it went and what you learned, including stuff that didn't go the way you thought it would, unexpected stuff that maybe was delightful or maybe was problematic. And then pivot and try it again until you've dialed in to your culture's special needs, and then you can scale. I absolutely agree. Um, it's so easy to go for your big bang application and open source that, but go for that small unit of code that demonstrates um, the ability to solve a huge amount of problems for a lot of people. Um, you know, because then you'll have a small development team maintaining it. And you'll also be um, producing a lot of pleasure for the people who are using it. Yeah. And then the other thing I always say is it, it, it profits nobody to do a big, empty marketing splash about what a great thing you're doing. Strategic humility is so much more valuable. I totally agree. Absolutely. Empty repos aren't that great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell me as we're la as we're wrapping up? I think we've done a pretty good job in this almost hour of talking. Yeah. Um, no, I've got nothing else other than to say thank you very much for inviting me on to speak this afternoon. I've really appreciated it. It's been um, a real blast. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, going on the circuit as um, director of community for, for Finos. Um, yeah, yeah. Very, well, I will see you in the first comment, of course. You know, if you run into anything interesting... Um, and, and then, you know, we'll get working on documenting this, this great story of your successes at Lloyd's, um, and with you and the people who are maintaining it now. Yeah, absolutely. I have to introduce everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't it always the way I know I'm going to see you, you know, I mean, I'm just one country over. I'll, I'll definitely see you. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and at Phoenix events as well. So, um, thank you so much for your time. I just have to, um, say that uh, this series of podcasts about InnerSource, there'll be new ones um, coming pretty regularly. So if you're interested in this topic, um, if you are part of InnerSource Commons, there'll be regular updates that we're doing them. And there will also be, you know, the, you could just bookmark it on the Nearform website and there'll be new stuff showing up from time to time. And uh, if you'd like to have either James or I uh, come speak in your own organization, um, you can reach out to us through Intersource Commons uh, or through Nearform or through Finos because um, we're all in it together. And uh, thank you very much for your attention. And um, I hope that you'll tune in again. Bye now. Amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs>